Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest leads a practice focused on representing management in areas of labor and employment law, with a focus on litigation defense and providing clients with practical advice. A significant portion of his practice is advising clients on matters concerning enforceability of restrictive covenants. A frequent speaker on employment and wage laws and the hot topic of pay equity, we'd like to welcome Davis Wright partner, Roy Solins to Left Foot. Welcome, Roy. Hi, Nicole. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. Roy, which of your personal strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in developing business? Well, I think it's important that in developing business, that an attorney does what they are comfortable with. For me, I'm pretty good at staying in touch with people. So when I meet someone, and this is for 15 years of my career now, uh, when I meet someone, I'm good about keeping in touch with them and trying to get together with them several times a year or or having touches with them by email or phone or in person throughout the year. And as you move along in your career, all of these people will begin to comprise a solid network and a diverse network by which business can be developed. Another thing that is a a strength for me because I do enjoy what I do is to be positive about what you do when you're speaking with others. Um, It doesn't need to be on a pitch or it doesn't need to be on a client lunch. It's as simple as when you're with friends or colleagues just talking about your day that you're positive about what you do because those people could end up and do end up becoming decision makers when when it comes down to companies reaching out and purchasing legal services. And no one's going to want to uh, hire someone who's negative about what they do. So thankfully, I enjoy this and it's easy for me to be positive about it. But I think that's an important thing to keep in mind and how you know one of my strengths that has led to some success in, in developing business. Also, it's very important to me to be responsive at all times to people. So that can set you apart from others if you develop a habit of being ultra responsive because it's a very competitive business environment out there and people appreciate Appreciate immediate responses to their questions uh, or just to let the person know when you can respond in a very short fashion. And that's a habit that I've developed over the years. And I find that clients are extremely appreciative of that. And that leads to um, growing business from that client. And it also leads to referrals um, when clients are very happy with your responsiveness um, or the habit of responsiveness when they speak to people within their industry or other lawyers um, and another lawyer needs a referral. It's more likely that your name will come up if you have a a strong habit of being very responsive to questions. Something I was surprised to learn when I started Left Foot is there's this idea of the disappearing lawyer. How difficult is it to be responsive or at least let people know when you're going to get back to them? But I understand that it's not uncommon. Something called the disappearing lawyer is out there. I can see that being a differentiator. You said you stay in touch with people. Give us a sense of what that looks like. Is that when you run across an article that you think someone might be interested in, you forward a link over? Is it more you're in a particular city doing business and you ask folks to get together for a cup of coffee? Or is it more a phone call well-placed on a regular basis? What does staying in touch look like? 
Well, I think it's all of that. I think it's knowing your clients or your potential clients and the kind of business that they're in and sending over articles or links that are not part of a mass blast email that a firm sends out. I think that in-house attorneys are very appreciative of direct communication from outside counsel with a little note. Potentially, if you spend five minutes, you can explain why this article or client advisory is important for their practice. And they appreciate it because if you put yourself in their shoes, they're receiving tens, if not dozens of client alerts from all different firms on a weekly basis. So if you're able to cut through that with an individual touch to them and you know some kind of explanation of why it could be important to them, they find that interesting. And it will lead potentially to a conversation uh, with that in-house counsel, either by email or by phone, with respect to following up on why it's important to them. And that, and that could potentially lead to some work. As far as other touches, sending emails, if it's someone's birthday, or you know, if you know that it's an, a, an important day for somebody to send them an email, to give them a call, try to have lunches with people, try to stay in touch with people over the phone, really. You know, you can call people up and you'd be surprised, even though people are busy, that they are more than happy to spend five to 10 minutes with you talking about, you know, what's going on in their life or what's going on during the day. And I think it rings very true. It's better to be interested than interesting. And it's better that to maintain contact with people so that you know what's going on with their lives and not just on a, from a business perspective. People are, you, you'll, I, I've always find are very happy to talk about themselves and their lives. And if you show an interest in that, they will think better of you. If you are interested in it, it's not a very hard thing to do. I find that to be easier um, for me. And again, it, it goes back to doing whatever you're most comfortable with. I find that easier than putting out article after article after article on topics or writing law journal articles or things like that. Other attorneys like that approach. Um, I do that too. I don't do it as a main focus, you know. but I'll, I'll end up over the course of a year putting out six to 10 articles, but it's not something that it's a, a weekly thing. And, and some attorneys do that and that works for them. But for me, it's, it's just what comes more naturally to me is, is keeping in touch with people, letting them know what I'm doing, letting them know what's going on with me, and then being very interested in what's going on with them. Don't be afraid, I think, to ask people, you know, what are the difficult issues that are going on in their own practice? and provide some brainstorming as to how to solve them. They'll view you as a problem solver and a business partner as opposed to just some outside lawyer, um, one of the dozens who may be calling them on a monthly basis. And that's, of course, you don't charge them for that, but, but they'll think of you as somebody who's smart and attentive to their business and understands their business. So you hit on some things there. I work in private equity when I'm not working with Left Foot. And I send specific articles to people where I think they might be interested. And I am amazed at the response. It's almost 100%. When I pick an article or something that I read, and I think it's of interest to that particular partner, and I send it over and they respond versus when I do publish something or something that has broader distribution tends to get a little less focus. And I definitely don't hear from people as regularly as when I do that one-on-one. One other point on that is, so I do employment law. If you're able to get to understand what your client's business is, I don't only send employment law articles to them. I work for full service law firm. So we're constantly putting out client advisories. And if I have a good understanding of what my client or potential client does, then I send them articles that are not related to employment law. 
In fact, sometimes I'll send them more articles that are not related to employment law than, than are related to employment law because it's probably more applicable to their business, what's going on for them on a day-to-day basis. It's a great point. We hear a lot on Left Foot, the idea of taking an interest in your client's business in the industry they're in, being successful at talking to them about things that go beyond the law, beyond the application of a legal matter, right? But how it affects their business and the operations of their business. Have you always been comfortable talking to your clients about their business? Have you gone ahead and and furthered your education on your clients' businesses in some kind of formal way? Or can you really describe for our listeners how you have gained a strong perspective? That's something I I think you grow into. And as you develop a practice, frankly, as you, you get older and your career grows, you start to understand how businesses work. Frankly, becoming a partner in a law firm teaches you a lot about how a business works as opposed to just being a lawyer. And I think that helps in discussing issues with clients as to how their business works and what are the pressures on them. And I think clients appreciate that. I think that if you're able to discuss the business issues within an industry and are somehow able to tie that back into your specialty or your firm's specialties, that goes a long way. Here at Davis Wright Tremaine, we do a significant amount of work in the, in the restaurant and hospitality space. For me, my, my role always goes mostly to the wage and hour issues attendant in that business. To have a, a meaningful conversation with an individual in that, you know, on the corporate side of that of the business, you need to be able to talk about how the wage and hour issues affect the bottom line and affect the industry and affect trends in how the business is going to go forward in the future. That's the kind of added value that I think clients enjoy and look for out of their outside counsel. And I think that that's applicable to any business. I mean, you said you're in private equity. So to the extent that people are able to keep up with various tax issues in private equity or deal flow with respect to private equity, even if you're an employment lawyer and you're doing work for the portfolio companies to make sure that everything's buttoned up for the portfolio companies, it's always a good thing to be able to talk the talk with people who are in the industry and dealing with the business part of it every day. Let's talk about when you became a partner. And of course, you had to really hone these business development skills. And of course, time has assisted with that. What kind of strategy, and I would say, let's come to current state or current day, what kind of strategy do you employ? Do you sit down yearly and talk about where you're going to grow your practice for the following year or you know where you think your practice is going? to receive business from, which clients are going to be doing particular things or any new accounts that you're going to go after? Is there a formal strategy? Yeah. In in fact, every year I put together a business plan that identifies my goals for the year and how I'm going to achieve those goals, whether it's organic growth of current clients, both with respect to getting more work for labor and employment work, or um, trying to expand the scope of the relationship to other practice areas, or whether it's new clients and to identify potential prospects and to then set forth the actual tactics, the actual things that I'm going to do over the course of the year to try to accomplish those goals. And whether it's write three articles related to the hospitality industry, whether it's give presentations at events about labor and employment law, whether it's go to lunch with somebody two or three times during the year, 
whether it's introduce one person to another person that could be a good connection for them. Those are the kinds of tactical things that are included in the plan. And then I go through I go through the plan often. And, you know, one thing that I mentioned that I think is important to the extent you are able to connect people within their industries, whether or not they're lawyers or, or business people or, or what have you. If you're able to connect people and then they're able to enhance their careers through that connection, then both of those people will then look back to you with good thoughts. And to the extent there's decisions to be made as to where legal services are going to come from, it doesn't hurt. Again, it shows an interest in your client or your potential client's career. So you do hold yourself accountable to those measurable items on that strategy, which of course a great strategy not executed is not a strong strategy. And of course the point around connecting others and and working on your business versus just in your business, which leads me to a question, Roy, it's finding the time to actually make sure that you're doing the business development tasks, right? The things that are on your list from a strategy perspective. Have you come up with a way that you portion off time for this? I have worked with partners that say they spend a half an hour every day. They block it off on their calendar and they use that to touch clients, you know, that they're not working with actively. Anything you're doing? Yeah, I think that that's the right approach. You need to actually block it off or write it down and make to make sure that you do it. It's too easy as a, as a busy practicing lawyer to get wrapped up in your matters and forget that, you know, there's a whole community of, of people out there that, you know, you need to keep in touch with in order to have a, a continuing career. Every day when I set out a to-do list, and I actually, <laughs> this is going to sound ancient, but I, I actually write down a to-do list. And within that to-do list every day, there is at least, you know, two, sometimes more touches that I want to make. And, you know, again, whether it's just an email or a phone call, set up a lunch, go to lunch, whatever that is, it's important. It's important to have it part of your, of your routine because it's easy to not have it part of your routine. There you go. So I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you. We've had four guests who are under 45 say that they write down their to-do list. I am under 45. I took a productivity class with Darren Hardy, who's relatively well-known. One of the things that I took away was I feel much more satisfaction by writing it down. Most of the rest of my life is not in in pen and paper or pencil and paper, but that is my to-do list is. So there you go. How about a success story? Can you share with our listeners a situation where you were able to either obtain a client or a new matter within a client that feel is a true success story? And of course, we're always happy to hear about stories that were less than successful too. So if you have one of each, that'd be great. Well, unfortunately, the the simple truth of the matter is the list of unsuccessful is... is far far greater than the than the list of successes but you have to keep plugging away um as far as a success story, the client was the general counsel of a small investment firm and I did you know one piece of work uh, for that person in a, in a sensitive issue related to employment law um, and I was able to get it done efficiently and quickly and quietly and to, you know, this person's satisfaction. And that was for a period of time, you know, all the work that I had done for this, this person. But I continuously sent him articles about his business and about employment law. And I reached out to him and we would go and, and have lunch occasionally. And I just made sure to continue to 
to reach out to this person. And it ended up that he moved, he left this investment firm and the investment firm remained a client, which is good. And then he left and went to an extremely large company in a very high level position. And over the course of, again, it's a long period of time. So over the course of well over a year after he went to this large company, which had historically used a different firm for labor and employment through, again, through polite persistence, if you will, I was able to, you know, along with the help of one of my partners that we were able in collaboration together to begin to get work from this very large company, larger volume of work. And that took from soup to nuts from the first time I met him until, you know, the work came in from the larger company was at least two years. But now that is, it's paying big dividends because we're able to do this, this work for him and his company. It's a long time and it's keeping in touch um, with him and he appreciated it and he knew we did good work. And that's, of course, I'll back up for a second. I heard this one time from, from a, a very successful rainmaker at a, at, a, at a law firm that he can sell anything once, but if the work isn't excellent, then you're never going to be able to get it again. And that's, of course, the number one thing that we all have to keep in mind is that, you know, you, we must have the work has to be excellent and then the client will come back. This lawyer knew that we did good work and we were responsive and we were efficient. He was able to slowly let us do work for the bigger company and it's been a very good relationship. There you go. So there was there was trust there. There was trust that the work would be done well. And, and of course, you continued to assist with that trust by touching base with them and keeping in touch and then, of course, delivering when asked. We do big presentations where we show the depth and bench of our practice here and we would invite him to those and he, you know, he would come and see that we're serious people and we have a great group and that led to him being comfortable at a larger place and a new place to begin to move work from the historic firm. I was interviewing someone for Leffa this week and they said that every client that they talk to already has good, strong counsel. They do. Not that it's price and it's not that they're not happy. Very often they're they're okay. Things are good. What is going to be that factor that is going to allow for them to move some of that work? Things you've mentioned already, thinking about their business, being able to have business conversations, being able to offer counsel beyond the law and to really be a resource. Those things can make the difference. I think that's an interesting part of this. Will Jen counsel, will companies feel that they should be changing, get some fresh ideas to get some fresh counsel? It's a tough question. Or else we're always looking for the unhappy client. As the other person said, and it's true, especially in a market, in a market like New York City, corporations, the vast, vast, vast majority of corporations have very talented legal counsel doing their work for them. You know, for for a lot of things, it's not impossible to find because we're in New York City and there's a lot of law firms, a lot of full service law firms that do everything and they're all smart talented lawyers at those law firms. So it, it, it is, you know, difficult to be able to differentiate yourself. And that's why, you know, having good personal relationships with the people, you know, it, it is important. Absolutely. Let's talk about the changing market conditions, especially here in New York and, and elsewhere, of course. The economy had some has had some shifts and has reacted to it. Plus, you know, there are other 
ways of delivering legal services available to clients. So we've got the way technology has affected the business. We've got alternative legal services firms that are looking at some of the work that was traditionally done at larger firms. We've got medium-sized firms kind of reaching up into the territory usually occupied by large firms only. Have you experienced the need to change the way you do business because of changing market conditions? And if so, you know, what does that look like? Well, I, you know, I think that um, there are definitely more alternative billing arrangements um, than just your run of the mill hourly work. And, you know, that's a way I think of, you know, you can make that a positive or, or, you know, that, that your firm is amenable to considering those kinds of arrangements whether it's, you know, uh, related to volume or related to litigation or related to the scope of the work or, or breaking down the work uh, by, uh, by categories. If you can show a client that you are flexible, that could lead to, you know, generating business or setting yourself apart from others. That's where a lot of things are, are moving. It's not as... Um, frequent for for companies that have a lot of volume anyway to be you know on a pure hourly hourly basis they ask for more now than they did just just from hearing you know from 10 years ago than it was and certainly 20 or 30 years ago I, I think it's it's more frequent now that clients ask for that we've definitely heard a lot about alternative fee arrangements have you seen anything that has been innovative in either the way that firms are addressing clients needs that might be stronger use of technology whether you know there's a, just a different way of assessing where there might be issues, possibly the use of data to really protect against potential litigation based on numbers of employees or particular situations, possibly the way different agreements are structured with employees. Anything that you've seen that is really an innovative way of really working with clients around being able to meet their legal needs that wasn't around 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Yeah, I, I think that shared websites between the client and and the firm um, can be important. Um, I think in those situations, it, it comes down a lot to um, the volume of work that a firm is doing for a particular client, where um, the firm is able to collect information from many matters. I mean, I'm not talking five or six matters, but dozens of matters over the course of time that from a large geographic spread so that then the firm is able to provide advice on a more general um, systemic level as opposed to, you know, you've been sued for discrimination in New York federal court. And this is how we're going to handle this litigation. But if you develop a longstanding deep relationship with a client, which is the goal, I think, from clients and from attorneys, you can provide better service to them. If you're able to establish that, then I think the data that is collected out of that can be shared and it can be collected and categorized in a way that is very uh, significant in being proactive from a client perspective in fixing problems before they happen. That's interesting. And that idea too, that you know, if there's a particular item that comes up with one client, being able to say it's a great opportunity to counsel others. And you know, to that point of volume, a client where an issue occurs 
three, four, five times, really going to the root cause. Roy, I don't know if that was always done in the past, where you know there's an expectation from the client's perspective to say, this has happened once, it's happened twice. You know, What can we do to, to fix it? It's definitely, I think anyway, from my, from my experience, it's more recent that firms are trying to collect this data you know, in a, in a more comprehensive manner and then have shared sites with the clients. I mean, I think with respect to innovation, if, if you have shared site with the client, you're able to provide a ton of, a, a ton of information, um, especially if it's a client that you do work for in more than one practice area. If you're able to provide that, that level of service to the client where they can go to one place and they can see, you know, exactly what's going on with all their different matters, um, whether it's the status of the matter or whether it's the fees incurred or, or whatever it is, they'll find that, I think, to be a very valuable addition to just the taking depositions or doing contracts or you know, filing for trademarks or patents or whatever, whatever the, the case may be. If that's provided also, then, then I think it's a, a big value add. Um, but again, I think it goes to the amount of work that's being done for the client and how deep the relationship is. And of course, it gets built over time. A lot of our listeners are tuning in because they're new partners. Definitely have some folks that are not yet partner and are anticipating wanting to go that route in their career. But we have a lot of new partners tuning in and we have partners around the world. Business development, talking about growing your business is not as mature throughout the world. Businesses seem to come through referrals almost exclusively in some countries. There's a lot of interest in how partners within large U.S. firms grow their business. What would be your advice you know, for those folks that are really saying, wow, this is not my comfort zone. It is not what I expected my career to involve. What would be your advice to those starting in this process? I, I think it goes down to doing doing what you're comfortable with and, do, and finding what you're best at and focusing on that. Again, some people like to you know give many presentations. They become members of bar associations, become very actively involved in spread their name and their firm's name and brand through that. Other people will write a lot of articles. Other people are good at keeping up with people and making sure that in touch with them and understanding what's going on in their lives. It, it really just, I think it really just depends on what you're comfortable with. And if, because I think if you're not comfortable with it, and you have to try everything um, before you can decide whether you're comfortable with it or not, or whether you're good at it or not. You can't just say you're not good at it and you haven't given it a, an honest effort or that you're not comfortable with it and you haven't given it an honest effort. But once, once you can figure that out, then that's, that's what you should focus on. If it's not working, then you should, you know, see, try some, you know, see if you can get comfortable in the other, in the other methods and, and understand that it's, it's a, it's a process and it, it takes a long time. I'm a relatively junior partner um, at a law firm. You know, I understand why you call this left foot because it's, it still is something that you have to get comfortable with and more comfortable with as your career progresses because it, it becomes that it's, you know, you can do the work really well, but it becomes more than that as you become more senior. As time goes on. Let me ask, when you were working through the process and finding that keeping in touch with people was what worked for you, what resonated for you, were you surprised at all about what did work? Just was something that I did naturally or do naturally. I, I can't say whether I was surprised or not surprised. No, I've given a lot of presentations and a lot of speeches and written a bunch of articles. And I find that the work that has come in is less related to that. You have to do that because that's a great way to become expert in 
parts of the law. But I find that the work that's coming through that has been less than the work that's been co- come in just through being natural I and mean, getting in touch with people and, and keeping in touch with them. And then through referrals also. You know, you mentioned that in other areas of the world, referrals are a major source. That That's an important part of it too, because if you're doing excellent work and your client is happy with you, that client will refer other people to you. Another thing as you progress in your career is you'll have clients like in, in sort of the story that I that I told you will have clients who will leave and that is an opportunity to you know try to keep the client or the business where that client had worked for and then it's an opportunity to expand your your client base um, because that person if that person likes you and likes your work they will try to to get you in there as well because they'll just feel comfortable with you I mean, that's important. And it's important in, in labor and employment law, I think, because a lot of what I do is day-to-day practical advice to human resources professionals and business people. If they feel comfortable with the kind of advice I give and the way I go about learning their business, then they're going to want to continue to deal with me. Great response. Enjoyed the specifics that you shared. When we started the first question, you talked about the fact that you were very positive about the work that you do. And I'm assuming a lot of that comes from working with clients and really giving them that practical advice. Is that what you most enjoy, Roy, about the work that you do is really working with the clients and that advice? Or is there another aspect of it that just really resonates for you? No, I like I, I do like giving giving the advice. I like problem solving. It's something I've I've always enjoyed doing and I and I like doing it in this job. I mean that's a lot of what this job is about is getting issues from your client and figuring out the best way to solve them. And then I also enjoy learning about businesses and how they operate and the unique parts about um, each different business. And that's within industries. Um, Every business is different. Every business is unique. They operate differently. They have different institutional justice within their business. And that's all very important to learn. And I like learning it. And I find it to be very interesting. Being a lawyer can be frustrating at times, of course, especially when a lot of the practices is litigation, but I'm never bored. Fantastic. Informative interview. Appreciate you sharing your voice on Left Foot, Roy. Any last points before we say goodbye? The only point being do what's comfortable and try to enjoy it. Try to enjoy what you're doing. And if you do enjoy what you're doing and you reflect that, people will react positively to it. Absolutely agree. Roy, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Thank you.